Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. You spend a significant portion of your life at work, and my goal is to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I am delighted to welcome my very special guest to the show today, Brian Davidson. Brian, welcome. Hi, Caroline. Great to be here. Hey, Brian. I am so happy to have you on the show today. You and I had a wonderful opportunity to meet in Chicago a few months ago, but I want to tell our global IU listening audience all about you. You minted your degree at our Kelly School of Business in 2004 and studied entrepreneurship, marketing, and management. And you helped build NCSA Athletic Recruiting and Help them become one of the fastest growing digital businesses in Chicago before joining Thuzi, a digital agency based out of Tampa, one of the original Facebook preferred marketing developers. But in 2014, you launched Matchnode Digital Marketing with your good friends, Chris Madden and Dan Putt. And when you're not focused on marketing, I know that we can find you back in Bloomington, Indiana, supporting our very own Indiana Hoosiers or in Vail, Colorado skiing. So where are you today in the world, Brian? Are you in Chicago? I'm in Chicago today. I will actually be in Bloomington this weekend, and then as soon as it snows, I will probably be in Vail. <laughs> Life is good. So I would love to pick your brain because you are a beautiful entrepreneur in every sense of the world and a risk taker. How did you become interested in digital marketing? Sure. It really kind of came about right time, right place. Digital marketing in its sort of its current state really wasn't so much in place when I was in school. Google was really coming into its own. Yahoo was still the dominant search portal at the time. So I didn't really have a big interest for it when I was uh, actually in school. And then right when I got out of school, I spent two years in Colorado skiing. And so I kind of delayed my career for a little bit. And then right as I was starting my marketing career, the consumer web was starting to take its uh, next iteration after the big dot-com crash and starting Facebook was starting to become a big thing. MySpace was still the number one social network. And uh, some of my favorite authors actually, and they were writing at ESPN and he actually quit and started his own blog. And that started me in the, the blogging world and learning to a degree. And it happened just very organically. I became very interested in this space. I got an opportunity very early on in my career uh, to get my feet wet, and I just really jumped in. So tell us about Matchnode. Now, I know Matchnode well because I am one of your customers. We use you a lot at the IU Alumni Association, and it's an extraordinary tool, but I'd love for you to really unpack that for the listeners around the world. Sure. Matchnode is our digital agency based in Chicago, and we really have three buckets that we live in. Uh, the first overall is just digital strategy trying to take a look at a business from an overall concept and try to figure out how does digital affect their marketing mix? How does digital affect their entire business? And just try to look at it from an overall strategic standpoint. And then once we understand the strategy of how they're using digital to grow their business, uh, we live really in two different worlds. One is traffic generation, which can be anything from email marketing, Google ads, Facebook ads, YouTube, anything that's going to get more eyeballs to your website with probably a very, very deep uh, understanding of Facebook ads in particular. And the other side of the audience that we play on is conversion optimization. So getting more people on your website to do what you want, clicking a buy now button or filling out a lead form, diving deep into the analytics that make that conversion possible. 
And Brian, do you find that the industry is changing so rapidly that your business has to evolve with services and products just to keep up? It is. And frankly, I think that's one of our biggest strengths. Uh, we're a smaller firm. Uh, some of the larger firms have a lot of systems in place, a lot of legacy uh, not just systems, but relationships in place with different vendors where they are locked into doing things a certain way. Whereas we are extremely nimble. And when we see things changing, we can't wait to take advantage of the next big thing. That's awesome. You know, one of the things I love about you, even in your bio, you talk about how important the personal side of your life is, whether you're skiing in Colorado or you're back at your alma mater supporting the IU Hoosiers. So what is your philosophy of work-life balance? You know, I think it's really important and it really takes on like a different meaning in today's economy and today's, uh, you know, job functions and that you really can't turn off your phone to a client or in any job and at almost any part in time. Uh, you know, I'm answering client emails on the weekends. I'm answering client emails uh, on chairlifts. And sometimes I'm taking a break out from, you know, maybe it's a vacation time or family time to actually do work. But the flip side of that is it gives you a, a tremendous amount of freedom to work from almost anywhere and, you know, transition your day throughout. You know, you can segment and work in the morning, go to the gym, work during lunch, you know, you know, work late at night. And then I, I really don't think they're, you know, the nine to five workday is, is totally dead, uh, which I think is in many ways a very uh, freeing thing to free up to free up your time to spend it how you want. But in the, the flip side of that is you are still responsible now uh, basically on a 24-7 basis to be available. So can you actually cut off at some point and say, okay, I'm skiing today. I am not going to answer my phone or I'm not going to respond to that text. Or do you feel like in some way technology has required you to always be available? I don't think it requires me. And there have been a few instances where I'll turn off my phone. Uh, but quite frankly, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, fair I enough. think it, it actually gives me the opportunity to be more flexible with my time if I'm more willing to answer that important email. You know, a frivolous email can wait 12 hours or wait 24 hours. Uh, very, very important things always should be responded to in almost real time. And the chances of that I wouldn't respond to something that was very important to a client or a customer will be very, very, very low. Uh, it would take almost a special life circumstance, probably, you know, My little brother is getting married this weekend, so I won't be checking email during his wedding. (laughs) I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that. (laughs) But I do appreciate your passion for for your work and also the responsibility that you have in in serving your clients. Let's talk about balancing work in the business and working on the business because they're two very different things. Can you describe the two? Sure. And it's a lesson I learned really early on uh, from a mentor and that it's really, really important, especially as an entrepreneur, you can get lost in the minutia of just doing the work on a daily basis. And that's great. But your business overall, either it's going to grow very, very organically or it's probably going to get stuck in just that constant, almost hamster on a wheel position of you're churning out work and you're making revenue, but you're not necessarily growing your business to a long-term or where you want to get it. So I think it's really, really important to always as a business owner or just in any role to take a step back once in a while and really think about the bigger picture and how you can work on the business overall and helping to grow the overall pie 
of the business as opposed to just doing your job on a daily basis, which I think a lot of people get stuck in. I would agree. And as a fellow entrepreneur, I think it's important that we learn the art of delegation and also focusing on our particular area of expertise. You know, if I'm spending time doing administrative tasks that an intern or an hourly employee could be doing, that's not a good business move on my part. That's not uh, a good return on investment of what I can be putting into the business. So it's always good to hear that from a fellow entrepreneur. Couldn't agree more example, taking the time to learn how to figure out how to do a podcast. It's been incredibly beneficial for us. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Cheers to you. Hey, Brian, let's take a walk down memory lane. So you are a graduate of Indiana University and you minted your degree on the Bloomington campus and we've got 650,000 plus alumni around the planet whom we hope are listening to your show. Tell me about a favorite IU memory. Well, a few really stick out. Obviously, um, senior year spring break was a great time. A bunch of friends and I rented houses down in Texas. I think we had about 25 of us down there. That was pretty amazing. Uh, Us going to the final four my junior year was pretty amazing. Uh, But the biggest thing that really stands out to me over time were just the relationships I had in place and the amount of different people I met and and, uh, a lot of those relationships that that have stayed in place over the years. And, uh, you know, when we get together, which is still on a, just a very common basis, I see my friends from college and just talking about, you know, the fun in general and those in-between times when you were all hanging out, having a great time, that camaraderie and that uh, sense of community, I think, is really, really rare uh, at Indiana University. So I, w- I want to segue on that because you went into business with very good friends, Chris and Dan, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's also a tricky thing. How do you navigate that personal and professional relationship? Sure. Well, I think it was important that in many ways we met on a business level mm. uh, before we were very good friends. Uh, I met Dan through a, a mutual friend. Um, and we became friends, but in some ways, Dan was a mentor uh, to me. And Dan actually introduced me to Chris, and we actually had worked together uh, before we started MatchNode. So there was a friendship in place, but there was also a, a business relationship and a appreciation of each other's business acumen going back a ways. So I think we all came into it uh, relatively on the same level to the degrees of, of what we wanted to get out of MatchNode as a whole. And just where we were in our, in our professional development, that it made sense really to take this step together. Nice. So, Brian, as an entrepreneur, I know that you have embraced the art of failure and you subscribe to the philosophy of failing forward and recovering. Could you share a failure with us and, and how you recovered to inspire people that are also emerging in the entrepreneurial world? Sure. Well, I think the most important thing to take from any failure is to just get something out of that yeah. failure and to really learn from it. Uh, I've made multiple misstep, missteps throughout my career, whether that's saying the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time or keeping my mouth shut and not going ahead and doing something. Um, I've definitely made multiple mistakes where I tried to uh, push the boundary and just get something live on a website. It didn't necessarily work out the way I wanted it to. Um but I always learn from those mistakes of when to push the envelope and, and when not to push that envelope. I think that, you know, again, everyone's going to make mistakes throughout their career with career decisions. But what you take from it and understanding that, you know, 
everyone's going to make a mistake again. You just need to learn from that mistake and move forward. And I think dwelling on that mistake can be a huge problem for a lot of people. I agree. You need to recover, move on, and make it fast. Yeah. And once you once you understood it was a failure, you need to figure out the lesson and then move on and put it behind you. And if you can't put it behind you, uh, you probably haven't learned the lesson to begin with. Nicely put. So let's talk a little bit about the field of digital marketing, which is just exploding in such a positive way. And remember, we've got consumers out there, but also career-minded folks who are thinking of, of diving into this career realm. What advice would you have for someone wanting to hire you for a match node? And then the other person who's saying, wow, I'd like to work in that field. Well, the first thing I'd say, it's going to be changing. So Mm -hmm. anything that you learn now, understand it's going to change. And so as a result of that, what I always say that we're looking for in people is people that are passionate about this space. Now, I I was reading really about digital marketing on a constant basis when it was about 10% of my total job role. I found it really interesting. I loved learning about it. I thought Facebook as a whole was fascinating. I loved learning about Google and learning about all these different tactics coming out. I, I thought the whole space was extremely interesting. So as a result, you know, my Twitter timeline and my Facebook feed, they were just constantly being pushing different articles and different blog posts and different tweets and whatnot just about digital marketing. So I was reading it on my free time all the time. And unless you really are willing to you know, dive into that world and constantly be reading about all these changes, I, I don't, and you have a passion for doing it, I don't think you're ever going to be truly, truly successful at mastering the digital space. It has to interest you overall before you can really understand and keep up with that that pace of innovation. Uh, but then the second thing I would say for advice would be just start doing it. Yeah, There are so many things that you can do. Literally, with, you can get a gift card from Google and run a few AdWords. I mean, you could literally just put up a random website using a free trial on, on Shopify and just play with the back end. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you don't, don't know how to code play with the code on a website, launch a WordPress site and start messing around with changing the HTML in the background. Uh, launch a free page on Unbounce is a tool that we use all the time. They've got a great free trial where you can just mess with things. Uh, so really that intellectual curiosity, both about the overall space and that willingness to just kind of dive in, I think are the biggest things someone could do to get started in that career path. Good deal. So what about the, the prospective client and the customer out there saying, gosh, I really want to elevate my my digital presence, whether it's a service or a product, you know, how can I leverage digital marketing for my business? Sure. I'd say it's the same thing. It's, it's asking a lot of questions of a lot mm-hmm. of different people, whether it's be talking to a firm like Matchnode or getting an, uh, an intern from the Kelly School of Business for <laughs> There you go. For example. But asking a lot of questions and hearing a lot of different opinions on the different ways that, and, and the tactics that are there. And I would really try to focus in on strategy and listen to the different tactics that are available and ideas around those tactics rather than any large promises. Uh, I think a lot of times people hear a large promise or hear a large sales target and they pick a firm or they say, let's go in that direction where they need to focus on feeling comfortable with the overall strategy and moving in a direction. Good deal. You know, it's fascinating from my vantage point as a career coach to see how 
our career paths are evolving. We're in this explosion of the gig economy. So many people are becoming entrepreneurs or what I call that plan C professional. They might have the full-time day job, but they've got an entrepreneurial venture on the side. How do you fit into that whole thing? Do you, do you thinking about next steps already? What's your take on that? So we work with a few entrepreneurs right now that kind of have something on the side. Of course, it's always going to be difficult for anyone to launch anything on the side. You hear a lot of business success stories where they say that the business was doing okay, then they decided to quit their job, and then things really took off. Uh, actually, I was just reading, I think it was DraftKings. Their first investor said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not willing to invest in your business if, unless you're willing to invest in it yourselves and wow. jump, in, jump in with two feet. Yeah. That's, that's not to say a business on the side can't grow and thrive. Uh, it really just depends your bandwidth and the amount of time and uh, investment you're able to put in place. Uh, if it's a business on the side, you might need to invest more from a human capital standpoint and get more people involved at an early stage. really depends you know, that overall investment can look in a lot of different ways. But it's important to be f- at least not just fully invested, but fully dedicated to making something go on the side. If, if you don't really care if it succeeds one or not, because it's just sort of a passion project on the side, you better have a lot of passion for it. Otherwise, it's not going anywhere. Might not be able to monetize that passion, right? <laughs> so, Brian, this is the beginning of Generation Z. They have hit college campuses, including Indiana University. This fall, they are the freshman entering class, and they're slightly different than their uh, generation before them, the millennials, in that they are completely digital natives. And the prediction is that they will be more entrepreneurial than any other generation. And they have a very short attention span because their whole focus is online. And they're talking about seven seconds. You can either get them or lose them in seven seconds. So how do you think formal education is going to change? And and to that point, being an entrepreneur, since you are thriving now. Well, it represents a lot of challenges. Uh, to those students, I would say try to slow down once in a while. Mm. Uh, read, a, read a good old-fashioned book with pages that you have to turn and turn off your phone. Uh, I think training your mind to think slowly is going to be extremely important for this generation. As far as reaching that generation, it's, it's going to be challenging for all marketers. But at the same time, they're coming to such snap decisions that at least they're coming to a decision immediately. So that's a huge opportunity. If you can if you can grab their attention in seven seconds, you can get them to say yes or no within seven seconds, and, and that's a huge opportunity. As far as just changing role of education, you know, the four-year school and its makeup is going to continue to change. Uh, Hour-and-a-half-long classes, a lot of my friends have gone back to grad school, and I think about going back to grad school, and I just shake my head and wonder and amazement how anyone could sit through a class that long. I, I think back to my undergrad days and there's no way I could sit through th- half the classes that I sat through anymore because my brain doesn't think that way anymore. And I'm sure that a lot of uh, the kids coming into class right now are already uh, in that stage that I'm at at age 36 where they say, all right, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. So it's getting, obviously getting that attention and finding a way to keep that attention is going to continue to evolve. Uh, I think formal education, as far as a four-year university um, committing thousands of dollars, obviously is a huge uh, political issue right now, but it's going to become a a logistical issue to a lot of people in the the very near future. 
So, you know, the, the four-year university, years, university as we know it now, I think is going to look drastically different in 15 years. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different schools trying different things right now. I don't think we've necessarily hit on the proper model yet from easily from a monetary standpoint. Uh, but probably more importantly, long-term, uh, just from a logistics standpoint, what, what does it look like to go to school in 15 years from now? I think it's going to look very, very different. I so agree. So, Brian, you put so much incredible content out into the world that you create in your social media landscape. Tell us how we can follow you online and, and listen to your incredible podcast. Sure. Our um, podcast is hosted on SoundCloud, so you can search for MatchNode on SoundCloud. Otherwise, you can hit us up on our blog, which is just matchnode.com slash blog. Otherwise, you can follow us at facebook.com slash matchnode or twitter.com com slash matchnode at matchnode. Uh, and then we also have a Snapchat channel out there for all these Generation Zers that are constantly uh, looking for quick form video. Um, and then soon to be coming, we should have our Instagram stories coming at matchnode as well. So we are all across the web. Excellent. Brian, what a joy to have you on. I hope to see you either in Colorado skiing or in Bloomington at a football game sometime soon or a basketball game. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with our IU alumni around the world. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Caroline. Thanks a lot for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. Career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. The show is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care. (laughs) 